Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello, 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 and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting, and we are launching our Black Excellence series with elevating excellence and leaving a legacy. And I'm so excited. I was sharing with our guests how excited I have been um, in anticipation to um, her coming on the show this week. And we are launching a conversation that is about um, breaking stereotypes, creating access, um, elevating opportunities and creating space for the next generation to find their place in experiences and in careers that they may not fully understand how to even access. But when we bring the experts into the room, it's an opportunity for us to inform, encourage, and inspire. So with that being said, I know you're you're like, well, who is it? <laughs> we have Tiffany Tichi. She is a senior mechanical engineer and her love of science, technology, engineering, and math makes her an advocate for STEM. She is a TEDx international speaker and an international best-selling author of the children's book, What Can I Be? STEM Careers from A to Z, the STEM Crew Kids Adventure Series, and three transformative books on women's empowerment and entrepreneurship. She is the host of the Read It Right radio show on WDRB Media and also host of the Engineering Management Institute Women in Engineering podcast. She is the founder of STEM Crew Magazine. Tiffany is the owner of Thrive Edge Publishing and the owner and publishing consultant of Inspired Authors Publishing. She helps underrepresented industry and business leaders publish children's books about their field to inspire children to choose the same path. As I said, I'm excited and I want you to welcome to the flip side of adversity, Tiffany Tichi. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. I have um, been uh, not only excited to connect with you um, publicly as a fellow Book Profits Club member. Um, we connected in Atlanta um, as Terea Vision Avant um, has pulled together an amazing group of authors to really understand how not only to write a book, but to leverage your, your book to actually make money. And so that's the platform we connected. And as I watched you in that space, 
I knew, I knew then, I know I didn't say anything at the time. I said, I'm asking her to be on the show. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and, and the second added bonus is I shared with you, I realized I found out that you're also a soror of yes. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So it's just an added bonus. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, you have such a passion um, as an advocate for connecting children to STEM. Mm -hmm. um, not only the career, the information, but just the opportunity to walk in a path they, that they may not um, mm -hmm. naturally know or understand how to access. So I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got connected with STEM? Okay. Well, it all goes back to me being that curious girl in school, asking the questions in math class. Just wanted to make sure, you know, I was spoken as far as being in the example, because most of the times they think boys are the ones that are um, the smart ones in the math class. And so I thought I was going to be a lawyer because I thought I could debate and do different things in that manner. But when I'm my mom, who's an educator, my dad, who was an entrepreneur, encouraged, you know, education and hard work. So my brother and I, he's also an engineer. He encouraged um, us to go to a math and science Saturday Academy. So on Saturdays, we had to go to a math and science Saturday Academy. And from there, we learned about problem solving and math and science is all about engineering and problem solving. So we was able to do that. And from then on, um, and as far as social capital, I'll speak to that. My dad would cut hair. He owned his own barbershop beauty salon. Tiffany's hair and nail salon, um, daddy's girl. <laughs> but he had a civil engineer that he cut. He said, hey, you might need to get your kids into STEM. And so, or get them into this career in engineering. And so between that and then the math and science Saturday Academy, that's what got us into becoming into engineering. And I realized that it's a male dominated field, um, but I knew what I was getting myself into and wanted to challenge myself. And so from then on, I was able to take part in it. Wow. I think about um, so many young people who don't necessarily have that person who's saying, huh, have you ever thought about this? Or it, or, you know, they aren't, you, you may not see yourself in this space, but that doesn't mean that you can't occupy that space. Mm -hmm. How do you, especially um, when you're talking to young ladies, mm -hmm. what do you present to them that would allow them to feel like they actually could own the space within STEM? Right. And a lot of times I'm asked to go and talk to the kids. And a lot of times you see that they don't get to see a lot of engineers that look like them. And so allowing myself to be able to talk to the girls, talk to underrepresented um, minority kids and allow them to say, hey, you can do it too. And so encouraging them, building the confidence. Um, a lot of times there's four key things that I try to teach as far as these kids and starting early. If parents can start early, I think that's key. Having knowledge, opportunity, access and exposure. If we can get our kids to start out that way, I think those are the key points that we can get our kids to the level of where they need to be. So if they can have those key points, I think that is key. And just encouraging our, kids, our girls, especially, because a lot of times it's the whole being smart and the whole stereotypes, especially in these fields where the stigma is that boys know more than the girls. But the realest thing is we're just as smart and competent. And that whole imposter syndrome, they talk about that word and everything. 
But if we can get mentors for our girls and, and representation and getting exposure, I think that's what helps them to be able to build their confidence and allow them to do some hands-on activities and seeing that they can do it and being able to know that I think is key. Yes, opportunity, experience, exposure, powerful words. Mm-hmm. So I recognize that when you are venturing into a field where you are breaking glass ceilings, shaking up stereotypes, there's there has to be challenges. Mm-hmm. I, I can't <laughs> I can't believe that it would be a, a, a bed of roses for that journey. And so when we think about the flip side of adversity, what were some of the challenges you faced along your journey of mm-hmm. pursuing a career in STEM? Well, with it being a male-dominated field and then being in a, a minority as far as a Black female in the career itself, you know, sitting in the classrooms, I went to a predominantly um, white institute, a PWI, and a lot of times it's not as many girls as, or females women sitting in that classroom. And so there was already some challenges in, in the, I went to UNC Charlotte, University of North Carolina at Charlotte. And so being exposed to that, I took advantage of any opportunity, minority program, anything to make sure that I was encouraged. National Society of Black Engineers, Society of Women Engineers, organizations like that helped me to make sure that I'm grounded in other people that are going through it. We're in it together. And so despite the classes where I might be challenged by being the only woman or a few of us in the room, um, that was one of the things. Now, once I got into the career, of course, dealing with being represented as considered an admin at times, a lot of times you will walk into the room and no offense to admins, but I got a degree. And it's like a lot of times they might think we want to take notes. Women, we want to take the notes in in the meetings and stuff like that. And so those type of scenarios, um, like there was one incident where I walked into a conference room, a vendor is one of those parts we want to get. And he shook hands with everybody except for me. And I was like, I know he sees me. <laughs> so I shook my hands with him, caught him off guard, say, by the way, I'm Tiffany Tichy. I mean, I'm the responsible engineer. And we're going to decide if, you know, we're going to use this it's part or not. It's, you know, it's part. And I think it you have to sometimes bring awareness because unconscious bias, you know, all of that plays a role with it, with being in the career itself. So I've had those type of occasions where I've had to show them I'm just as confident and I'm capable and worth being in the room at the end of the day. Yes. The first part that really resonated with me as I was listening to you is making sure that you find community. Yes. Um, it When you, rec- you look around the room and there aren't a lot of people who look like you, that's not the time to shrink back. That's not the time to ruminate or get discouraged by that look past that room and find other spaces where you can connect with people so that you don't isolate. And then the second part, which is powerful, it really connects to uh, our conversation. This is literally creating a bridge to our conversation next week with um, Andrea Lawful Sanders, who is talking about, you know, when your hell no becomes a solid yes and knowing your voice. So when someone overlooks you, Mm-hmm. step up, don't mm-hmm. shrink back. So, right. ah, well, let me introduce myself to you if you're not right. going to introduce yourself to me. Right. Have you always been confident like that? Listen, I am not perfect. I didn't, <laughs> we are human. And the thing is, I've had those moments where I've had to, I'm thankful for family and I'm grounded. My mom and my dad, I mean, 
even with schooling, I would be calling because those were some those were not easy courses. Like I struggled, <laughs> but I made sure I was going to make it. I knew what I was there for to graduate. But those type of things, I had parents that were there for me, my mom, my dad. Um, and then being able to know that I have that helped um, to, for them to hear and listen to me <laughs> as I go through things. And so that's been key to as far as and then having mentors, having those that can speak to me and advise me. I think it's been helpful through my journey as well. And so, no, I had my days. I knew what I was walking into when it comes to going into this career. I knew I was going to be challenged. And so every day is a different day. Yes. <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah, I've had those days where I've had to sometimes you, question, you do question like, okay, but I have to go back to my why. Why did I decide that this is where I want to go? Why and what am I doing? What impact I'm making? Somebody paid the path for me to be in this spot. So I want to make sure I'm doing the same thing for others. So a lot of times I have to be be grateful and grounded and remind myself of my why. Why is it that I decided this is what I want to do? What is it? What impact am I making? What? And I think that's it. The legacy I'm going to leave, I want to make sure that they know that my purpose, what is my purpose while I'm here on earth? And one of the quotes from... um. From my favorite Shiro is um, from Shirley Chisholm, who says, service is the rent we pay for the privilege of living here on earth. And then she also speaks about, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. So between those two quotes from her, that also encourages me to, to know I'm worthy of being in the room. And despite all the obstacles I occur, that might occur, I'm, I'm worthy of it. And so yes. those have been some of my factors. Yeah, the the understanding that it's not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it and recognizing that others are watching you, yes. whether or not you see it, you know it, you are absolutely creating space for others with every decision that you make. Mm -hmm. And someone is watching and being encouraged or inspired. And when you say, so can you tell me, how do you how do you define legacy? Like when, mm. when you think of the word legacy, what comes to mind for you? My, my future, like who am I leaving? The words that I do, the, the work that I do, what legacy, what am I leaving for them that I'm paving a path for? I want to make sure that the work that I'm doing is not in vain. And so as I'm doing the work that I'm doing, legacy is, Who's the future? My next generation, the next generation. And that's why I'm all about that next generation, our future generation. That is my legacy. My legacy is what am I doing to pave the path for them? What am I doing to set the stage for them to have the opportunity, to have the access, to have the resources and to have the exposure? Because a lot of them don't get that opportunity. So I want to make sure I'm placing and having the path for them. And so the legacy is my future. <laughs> Who is my future as far as the generation? I'm thinking about the generation. Um, and I may not have any kids or anything, but I think I'm, I'm, I love the kids. <laughs> so I love the kids. And I'm just thinking about what impact am I making for all the kids globally? I mean, I've been able to travel the world. And so my legacy is global. <laughs> um, and what purpose am I fulfilling while I'm here on earth for them? So. Yes, and you spoke in South Africa, and 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 any time I have been in space with you, you at some point say it's for the kids. Or, <laughs> I love the kids. There has not been a time that we have been in the room. Yes. <laughs> 
that I have not heard you say that. And so it, it just radiates your commitment mm -hmm. to the next generation. And, um, so when you think about your global impact and, mm -hmm. um, speaking in South Africa, I've always said that children are children. Yes. No matter where you are in the world. And so creating, um, a clear, image for them to begin to see themselves and what's possible is such a huge motivation, such a huge motivation. It is. And I mean, when I went to South Africa, I went to Ghana first. So I've, mm -hmm. I love Africa. I'm going back to Ghana. Can't wait. And so first I went to Ghana first and I was able to go to the school and talk to the kids. So that was my first time going out internationally there and been able to get to them. So to see the smiles on the like you said, kids are kids. And then to go talk to the, go to South Africa and Botswana. And we went to talk to the kids again. And some of them, I, you know, anywhere I see some kids and there's an opportunity, I'm going to just talk to them and tell them, hey, you can do this too. And so I have to have my book. I always have your book with you. That's one thing. <laughs> so I have your book. So I have my book. And so just randomly, the tennis court, they was playing out in the tennis court in Botswana. And I just pulled the kids together, some of the parents around there, and started just showing them and showing them all the different careers and different things and seeing the images and just seeing the different representation, the diversity and showing them they can do it too. And just the smiles on the face. And just in general, for me, when it, when I talk about the kids is because when I'm going doing bending events and I'm talking to the kids and they get to see an author, a lot of them don't even see authors. Like when we talk about books, we didn't grow up seeing a lot of this in these books. And so to know the impact that I'm making with books and generating books and to see that many of the talks I do and a lot of them might grow up and they come back and they say, hey, I remember when you did this. I remember you talked, you know, and they become that engineer. They become those different careers. That's the impact that I make where I'm, I know that I'm doing on the right track and I'm doing the right thing. Yes. So I'm as you shared, you had parents who influenced you. Yes. You are absolutely paying that forward yes. as you inspire children. I, and I'm curious, what influenced you to actually go into mechanical engineering? So, okay. so this particular career. I'm glad you asked that because I actually didn't know what type of engineering I wanted to go into. So yeah, I said, oh, I'm going to go into engineering. And it was like my mom and myself had visited the campus and we visited different ones, but we saw someone who mentioned on the campus that they have undecided engineering. I said, oh, well, mom, we're going to go, we're going to go with that. So I, I actually went in, majored into undecided engineering. And with the intro to engineering classes, I got to see all the different types of disciplines. You got mechanical, electrical, civil. Those are like the main type of ones, chemical. But I needed to see things. I'm a visual person. So anything that moves is mechanical engineer. Those wires and all that in there, no, I need to see it. So, and then from the structurals and buildings and civil engineering, I was like, no, mechanical is like equipment, parts and pipes, pumps, valves. That's what I deal with and everything. So I need to see it. And so... Mechanical is the way I went after going to the intro to engineering class um, or yeah, the intro to engineering class. And it's the broadest of them all. That's what I got out of it, too. I was like, this is the broadest of them all. And that's what I wanted to do. So I didn't I actually went undecided. I didn't know which one when I first came into the school, um, the major. So, yeah. So I'm actually getting ready to ask a personal a personal question because okay. <laughs> I think about actually both of my grandsons. 
And I watch their love of taking things apart, building them, wanting. They have such a gift Mm -hmm. at such a young age Mm -hmm. um, of four and soon to be eight. And I I immediately said, oh, they have the spirit of an engineer. Was there something about you, like as a as you were growing up, where um, people saw in you that that you just seemed to have a natural gifting, or or was it just something that happened later? Well, I'm I'm a, I'm a flip it to my brother because when you talk about the young boys as well, me and him, I mean, he's two years younger. He's an engineer as well. But when you start seeing the curiosity piece of it, they are in it. It's in them. And don't question them because he, I don't know if you remember Teddy Rupskin. It's like that talking bear. He was a talking bear. My brother took a bear, cut open the, the, the stomach, put a walkie-talkie radio inside of it, and created his own. <laughs> so me and him, we were playing. We would do different things. And yes. So growing up, his creativity was there. I don't think I was as creative as he was <laughs> at the time. So when you say what, what I thought I might be, I think he was more into that. As, as far as the hands-on and doing all that too. But I think with taking the math and science programs, I think that's what helped me to, to take it. Because I wasn't I wasn't the best at math, like tutoring and all that. I probably needed all of that and stuff too. But understanding the concepts is really what got me to wanting to do engineering. But like I said, when you start young, you start having those curious kids. So when you said that with your uh, with the young, young boys, I was like, my brother was that. <laughs> my brother was that. And the video games, the gaming, like all of that, it's thoughts, it's like young, starting young, but start planting in them and planting the seed, doing the Legos, doing the buildings, doing the robotics, hands-on activities is where it's at. So yeah, I played with my brother, but he took it to a level level sometimes. <laughs> um, but I think it was for me when I realized the problem solving, the thinking and the creativity from that end, critical thinking, I think, played a role for me to decide that. But yeah, starting early, I think is key. And when you're saying they love to do those type of things, challenge them and then start asking them questions. So what did you think when this happened? What what did we need to do to make it change? Because sometimes they have to realize the whole design process. Um, it comes with it. So <laughs> it comes with the process. But start when they start young and start doing that, the creativity. I just wanted to give you the example. My brother was just like that. <laughs> I love the visual of the Teddy Ruxpin. Yes. Like, I don't need I don't need that one. I can make my own. Yes. And now they got build a bear. Now they got build a bear, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so it's um, recognizing that those skill sets can start early and to actually begin to to nurture that and encourage it and even getting them around environments that Mm -hmm. will build upon it and begin to ask or challenge them. I think as young, as children, another piece of it is, as you shared, it's the endurance piece, right? So if something didn't work, um, learning how to take it apart and try again, as opposed to abandoning it. Yes. Um, Yeah. And that's so powerful. Yeah. And that's the design. When we deal with engineering, that's the whole design process. And we just tell them, you create this, what do you need to do? Test it out. What do we need to do to fix it? And then, yeah, that's the whole thought process with it. So, yeah. Yes. So how did failure actually play a role 
in this journey. I, I, I know there had to be some downs. Yes. Um, you have you have painted a very bright picture. <laughs> right. If, if they only do. <laughs> Life is not just that. So I talk about my dad. I actually lost my father 16, 17 years ago to cancer. So, you know, being a daddy's girl, that was an obstacle and challenge. But he got to see me up to 25. I had my own house. I was established with a job and all that, too. Another obstacle was I got laid off and I didn't know what to do. But it was a recruiter who said, you're complacent. Until you get out your mindset that you're not just going to just stay here. You And so that's what made me decide, OK, I need to start looking outside of where I am. And I was the opportunity happened. I got my job back and I was able to go and relocate. And I would have never had my books. Like when you change your mindset and pivot, it changes the whole beat. Stop being complacent. And that was my aha moment when he said that. He said, your resume is fine, but you're being complacent. And it's just amazing. That was like, wow, you're right. <laughs> and opportunities happened. If I wouldn't have moved, I wouldn't have had the books. I wouldn't have been able to travel like I've been able to do. And then the work that I do with getting my job and what I'm doing. So you just have to be open-minded. Know sometimes you have to pivot despite all obstacles that might occur. Yeah, I'm literally hearing Karen Larkin's voice in my in my head. Shift and pivot, shift yes. and pivot. And recognize in that pivot, there can be a whole new purpose. Yes. And without that moment, although it could feel dark, mm-hmm. what you just hit me with is actually something that came to my own mind uh, just this week that sometimes we can get comfortable and complacent yes. with what has created ease for us. Mm-hmm. And when that is taken away and you have to shift and pivot, having someone who calls you out, you know what? You're being complacent. Yes. And instead of taking offense, you created action. Yes. Yes. Oh. I love that. (laughs) It's amazing. And yeah, the future is bright when you decide, okay, I need to stop being complacent. Listen, some people have your best interests. And I think that's the key. He didn't even know me, but he saw it in me from, I guess, on paper. But when he started talking to me, he was like, no, stop being complacent. And I was like, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we have to own it. Sometimes we have to own it. So we we have just a couple minutes before we take our first break. And I'm sure curious, how do you actually integrate? So I can only imagine, um, as you've shared some of the challenges and roadblocks that you have literally had to climb over, but how do you integrate your career and your personal life in such a demanding field. Right, and I love how you say integration. I don't say work-life balance, I say work-life integration. And I think that's the key, the integration piece. And set aside time to make sure, I always have to remind myself I need self-care. <laughs> but knowing my time and saying no, learning my boundaries this year is the year of focus and boundaries. I think that's been my key to integration, so. Yeah. So do you do you set like a top of the year goal or word or do you do resolutions? Well, I learned this 12 week year. That's my biggest thing. I don't know if anybody's heard of it, but that has been amazing. The 12 week year is a program where within 12 weeks, what three key goals can I accomplish instead of trying to spread it out for the whole year? So 12 week year 
goals have been my biggest piece that's been instrumental. And then I do have a word. It was boundaries, but now it's focus. It had to change because this PhD I'm doing as well with the work and the business is focus. <laughs> <laughs> I have been there 100% sore. I feel <laughs> you on that. I and I do have a vision board too. And I do have a vision uh, board. Yeah, a, a virtual love, one. I love that concept. When we come back, can can you just explain that 12 week again? Because I feel like that went by real quick. Yes. And I want people to hear what and unpack what I was perceiving from that. So okay. when we come back from this break, we're going to, going to dive into that 12-week concept. So if you have been enjoying this conversation, please make sure you stay connected with us all month long as we pursue ex elevating excellence and building legacy all month. And this is only the beginning. So we're going to take a short break and we will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Hello and welcome back. We have been in launch mode of our month-long series of elevating excellence and building legacy. And we've been having our very first conversation with Tiffany Tichi, and she's been sharing a bit about how she has overcome, how she has navigated through, and how she is creating space with purpose and clarity on her why for the next generation when it comes to STEM. But at the end of our last break, just before we took break, I asked her about how she set intention at the beginning of the year. And she mentioned a 12 week year. And I don't want people to, I don't want that to, to like go past them too quickly. 
Can you break down like why you picked this 12 week year concept and what does it do for you? Right. So the 12 week year is if, if you go Google it, it's the Brian Moran. It's basically 12 weeks. You got time to try to squeeze in not everything within the whole year. But what are three key goals that you can or one to three goals, you know, that you want to tackle? It could be in business, your your different categories from personal to also to the your work as well, work life, relationships, whatever three, I do three of them. You can do one to three, but then break down tactics. So you got your goals, but what other tactics are you going to do to be able to tackle each of them? And so I do it from my business. I do it from my work. And then I have my personal. So of course I have the PhD. It's one of them. <laughs> I have to stay focused. <laughs> so that is one of the goals. I've got to stay focused uh, so that I can graduate. Um, and then the other one is make sure that um, from a business standpoint, where I want to do with my clients and those pieces, how many books do I want to publish? Like, but be, how many stages or speaking engagements do I want to be a part of? And then for work, what goals or projects am I trying to tackle? But then what are some things, you know, am I going to tackle to throughout that 12 weeks, weekly, daily to tackle those? Because you can say, yeah, I got these key goals, but what are you going to do? So you can do maybe five to six or three to four, you know, subsets of tactics that you're going to do to be able to tackle them. And so that has been successful. I mean, for me, because it helps from structure, it allows me to see it and write it down. Because write the vision, make it plain, is real. And so it allows me to make sure that I'm accountable. And also getting accountability partners plays a role in it too. So I have others that I'm partnered with where we both and have been able to tackle 12-week years together. What are your goals? What are mine? And then holding each other accountable. So getting accountability partners also helps as well. Yes. As soon as you expressed it, I immediately thought about chunk to conquer because mm. so many times people get paralyzed around thinking about all of the things and am I going to be able to accomplish all of this? Can I? It seems so big when mm. it's an entire year and sometimes we, we sabotage our own self or we procrastinate because we're thinking about 12 months. When you chunk it to 12 weeks and then create that real intentional goal setting and then those subsets, I immediately thought about, oh, that is golden. Yes. Chunk to conquer, chunk to conquer. And then you can self-assess and then I'm assuming go into the next 12 weeks. Yes, yes. And it's it's work for me. It's amazing to see. And it's like you got small wins. You, I mean, it's no, no win is too small. And so, you know, a big win, small win, but to see all that I've accomplished and just know that I've been able to write it down and be able to tackle it. I think it's the biggest piece to know that it works. <laughs> it yes. works, but you got to do the work as well. I think that's important too. And you mentioned um, the conversation that led us into this 12 week was really, you don't kind of believe in this whole um, work-life balance, but you really believe in integration. Yes. So how does an engineer um, pay attention to self-care? <laughs> work in progress still. <laughs> work in progress because I am I do have buckets of different things. And so when I talk about the goals, I do have to make sure that I include the self-care piece of it. And learning to say no. I have to say no because you can get pulled in so many directions 
But if I don't take care of myself, then I'm not going to be able to help others. And so those are the reminders that I have to remind myself of. So I'm still a work in progress. Uh, This year, like I said, if I have a certain goal I'm trying to tackle, I have to put on my blinders and make sure that I focus on me. And what they say, self-care is not selfish. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, 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 or it is selfish. It's either way. Yeah, I know it's that not I have, selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's you looking out for yourself as far as making sure you can be able to get up each day. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's the biggest piece. So, and I think about our um, BPC uh, member, Crystal Mance, who mm-hmm. has, please accept my anointed no. Yes. No is a whole sentence. <laughs> yes. And, and and that's okay. Like that, because I have a set of goals. And if I get too distracted on overextending myself, then I can't accomplish. And when you talk about your why and legacy and staying focused, mm-hmm. there's a true purpose behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you can't afford to get overextended yes. nor exhausted. Yes, yes, right? yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about um, the, you, we entitled this, um, future STEM leaders. What advice do you have for aspiring STEM leaders who are actually just getting started on their journey? Do your research, get to know those that maybe you want to be a part of in those careers. And maybe you don't know. I talk about the whole job shadowing. Go and sit under somebody. If you want to be a veterinarian, you love animals and everything, Go to a veterinarian. See if you can go for a day and do a job shadow. Like I tell the parents that too. I'm like, get your kids to to be exposed to them so they can get to know if that's what career they might want to do. Get books that can expose them. Expose them is key as well. And so just to get started. And if they're questioning, doing the questioning and curiosity, keep doing it. Because I'm going to tell you with what the work that I do, we have to have the safety and questioning attitude. Because people's lives are involved with it. And so we have to keep that in mind with the career we have. So do the research, sit under somebody who maybe you might want to do, start doing some hands-on activities, get your mind creative, um, the critical thinking and the problem solving. I think that's ultimately what I would say. Get Just get started, get going and ask the questions. If you don't know, try to get someone who can help you. There's so many organizations that's out here where a lot of the professionals are out here volunteering and helping the community. So if there's organizations like the National Society of Black Engineers, which they start young um, and then collegiate and then to professionals, there's Society of Women Engineers. Like there's so many different types of organizations where they're doing volunteer work. So if kids can start early, our parents can get our kids to start early, start getting exposed from that way and start, start allowing yourself to get immersed with the careers itself, I think is key. Yeah, it sounds like getting creative, um, actually being courageous enough to ask, like mm-hmm. actually ask for what you need, what you're, what you're wondering about. Right. And when you say expose them to books, I know you have some books, yes. right? Yes. So I want to make sure our followers can <laughs> connect with you and your books. I think you have a new project coming yes. out as well, right? I so stay. Tell us- <laughs> <laughs> yes. So my book, so when you say my books, I actually was, when I was talking to the kids, a lot of them never met kids that have met anyone who looks like me. So that's what allowed me to say, okay, I need to put it in writing. So I saw a challenge on Facebook, 
create five days of your best-selling book. I learned the process of publishing the book. And so from then, I've been able to create What Can I Be? STEM Careers from A to Z, um, Alphabet Book. I kept it simple. <laughs> and so it's an Alphabet Book. And so from then, I've been able to do coloring books, to translate into Spanish, French, Swahili, Italian, to teacher's guides, to journals. And then now I have the STEM Crew Kids Adventures series building a balloon power car. And then what's coming up is the, now there is a magical spaceship. <laughs> so they're just building the STEM crew kids are doing different activities. And so it's a series now that I'm doing. And so, yeah, the sky's the limit. Um, definitely want to make sure that it's five to eight year olds. Um, just get, I start early. I start early K through two, just so we can get them early because third grade is at prime time when they start deciding what's going to happen with them kids. The testing starts happening, the pipeline. Like, so I said, let me get them early. Let me start early. And so, that is what I do as far as my children's books. Um, and of course, I have a magazine, STEM Crew magazine. So I have different um, trailblazers, activities in it and stuff too. So definitely want to make sure everybody gets it. www.stemistheway.com. And the way to do that is I also looked up organizations in STEM. And I want to make sure scholarships. We got to get our kids in scholarships and organizations. So I looked it up. And so... I said, let me put it all in an ebook so they can get it and stuff too. So yeah. So then they can access the book and everything too when they go to that website, www.stemistheway.com. <laughs> Stemistheway.com. And once they get in there, you just said they'll also get access to an ebook yes. that not only has your resources, but also list scholarships. Scholarships is 10 oh STEM, scholarships, STEM scholarships and organizations. So it's catered to STEM related organizations and scholarships that I've looked up. And it's not just, just regular scholarships. You got regular ones, but I wanted to make sure they get diverse ones as well. You got the female ones, you got the minority ones, and then just in general, as far as organizations as well. So yeah, that's I, I made sure I researched that. It's an ebook and it's a great starter for um, parents to get our kids to as well. And of course, you can get access to the books that way too. All right. So I know somebody just was scrambling. They were like, I didn't know she was going to throw out that nugget so fast. So they now they just got their pencil. So yes. say the website again. www.stemistheway.com. And you know what? I've been floating STEM around. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Math. And I have to keep reminding everybody that Everybody doesn't know these acronyms. So science, technology, engineering, math is what STEM stands for. So I always try to, so www.stemistheway.com because STEM is the way. It's going to help with unfulfilled jobs. There's so many millions of opportunities that kids can get exposed to um, for job opportunities. So stemistheway.com. And so you talk about um, your uh, STEM crew, and mm -hmm. I've seen the, the cover of at least one of the books, mm -hmm. and it looks like it's a, a diverse group yes. of children. So can you talk about the importance of mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion in, in the STEM world, especially? Yes, grab it, grab it, bring okay. it on down. So yeah. My first book, I said, I want to make it diverse because the people I work with, this is what I deal with, with all different ones. And so, of course, I have the different ethnicities and different, um, you know, genders and everything, too. And then the STEM crew kids, because this is what I deal with at work. I have all different races and diversities and everything from that end as far as uh, ethnicities. And so we all have to work together. And so I wanted to make sure, you know, moving forward that the kids can see the different opportunities because you got to play together. You got to work together. Um, and but you want to make sure there's opportunities. So the book allows it to see them play together, 
work as a team. So that's why I started doing the STEM crew kids adventures. So now they're doing different activities. Now parents can have them do the different activities at home. Um, so it just gives them exposure for the kids. And so this first one I have is STEM crew kids. Ruth um, is in there and I have Auntie Tiffany in there. And it's like a subtle, <laughs> she's a mechanical engineer. He encourages Ruth in the book. So it's a whole storyline in there too. Um, but I'm subtle, but not subtle. <laughs> but Auntie <laughs> Tiffany's in the book. <laughs> Trying to encourage her that she can be an uh, engineer as well. So, uh, but yeah, just subtle things. But I want to make sure that they know these girls, these underrepresented minorities, that all diversity can be able to make it happen and become these careers. So, Yeah, I think about how oftentimes, um, especially this time of year, um, uh, Black History Month, uh, and, and I pause to say that because um, black history is American history. It's yeah. not just it's just it's not just isolated to February. Yeah. And how can it it really feels like your books could serve two purpose purposes. Mm -hmm. The first being one in which all of my educators who log in, who listen, who follow, it's an it's a very intentional tool to not only present STEM, but it also has an opportunity to present unity, yes. not uniformity, but unity. Everyone yes. is different, but we can come together and mm -hmm. create something even more beautiful through our unity. Yes. And so I've really been working sure. with clients all month in preparation for this month in understanding to do meaningful mm -hmm. Black history things. Don't just go after the same um, characters yeah. who are famous, who you do every single year. Reach for a new book. Mm -hmm. Reach for a new resource that communicates real deep meaning that meaningful activities that are tied to exploring history and context and unity. So it really sounds like your books provide all of that in yes. one package. Yes, it does. It does. Because <laughs> this is, I mean, this is how it is. We're human. We've got to work for human race. Like we've got to work together in teamwork and everything. And so I want these kids to know that they can work together and come together to get the, get the job done and whatever actions we got to do as far as projects and stuff, come together and let's make it happen. So that's that's yeah. what I, my goal is, is teamwork. Yep. So you've talked about the books, but how did you get to a place that you also, so you're a mechanical engineer, you mm -hmm. have your own radio show, yes. you are an author and you're a publisher. I yes. tell you what, <laughs> so so why publishing? Right. So I so I realized how the process works. And so what I ended up doing is I, I became a publishing consultant, got my own agency, Inspired Authors Publishing, because I want other professionals, I want other business leaders to now do just like I did. I used my career and now I'm exposing kids to these careers. And so I'm, my goal is to take your career, turn it into a children's book because we need to get more of these children's books out here to learn about your career. And so that's ultimately what my goal is to get more business leaders, industry leaders to know I can show you. I have so many examples of how you can make it work. So even if you don't think you're a writer, <laughs> I can, t listen, I started with an alphabet book, but it made an impact because now they can learn the different careers from A to Z. So my goal is as a, a publishing consultant with Inspire Authors Publishing is to encourage um, 
inspiring, inspiring authors to be able to turn their career, yeah. take whatever they have and get kids to learn about it. And so children's books is the way I've been able to tackle that. And like I said, you might not be the best writer, but there's so many opportunities to get the message out there to the kids. And when you have support and community to get that done, mm -hmm. it's an opportunity that in, instead of just thinking about what you're doing today, mm -hmm. recognize that what you're doing today can impact the next generation. Yes. So how do you leverage that? There's there's so many things within all of us that we take for granted that would be revolutionary for a child to be exposed to. And when you find the right person who has the right passion to walk you through that, yes. it, become, it feels more possible. Yes. And I've, I've heard that from my clients, the ones that's taking it on. They're like, Tiffany, I watched you. You're doing the work and I want to do it too. <laughs> we want to go with you the same way. And so it's just like, wow, when you say people are watching you, people are watching you. And it's like, you know, you let, I leveraged it. Yes, I have a book, but I've learned to leverage it and get on various platforms just like this one to tell the message, tell my story. And so, yes, uh, and being able to travel globally and all that played a role with it. Um, but yeah, it's more than a book. I tell people that it's more than a book um, and you got to learn to leverage it. And that's what I've been able to take part of. It is more than a book. I think about um, Terea um, Vision, Vision Avant's um, concept around people sometimes focus just on selling the book mm -hmm. when it's not only putting out quality content, mm -hmm. but what are you going to do with it? so that you are leveraging it, one, for it to work for you, mm -hmm. as well as create open doors for yes. other opportunities to be able to access different platforms mm -hmm. and to reach people who would not, um, absolutely would not have a concept or experience or exposure, as you said earlier, opportunity, experience, and exposure. Um, you're creating that space. Mm -hmm all through leveraging a book. So stop having tunnel vision, begin to do this and figure out how can I leverage it. And if you don't know, absolutely connect with the book's Book Profits Club to be able to figure out how you can get connected to a community um, to be able to get that done. So I tell you what, this has been a powerful conversation. I cannot even believe how fast our time has gone by. And I just want to kind of end with when now that you're looking in this space as an author, mechanical engineer, um, publishing consultant, radio show podcaster. I dare ask, looking ahead, <laughs> right, right. What do you What do you hope to achieve? Your oh, a, oh wait, um, a PhD candidate, <laughs> right? That that that's not just the add on. That's a whole thing by itself. <laughs> what do you What do you hope to achieve in the mm. future? And and how do you plan? To continue to make a difference, not only in your field, but just in STEM in general. Yeah, I mean, the biggest piece is I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing to get the message out there. 
I want to get into the schools, some more of the bulk sales. Bulk sales is where it's at, getting the schools, getting on speaking platforms such as that. So there's so much more I could leverage this book and do more with. And so the sky's the limit. But yes, getting through that PhD is one of them. <laughs> but definitely. Um, and then the work that I do. So, yeah, there's there's still some more for me to do. There's still more. And I travel. I want to continue to travel um, to various locations and just get the message out there. I think that's the biggest piece. Yep. Yeah. Your light is so encouraging and so inspiring. And I feel um, how you have first focused on adding value to others because sometimes people get uh, paralyzed by not being able to see how this would either make me money or make me famous or get me more followers and you're focused on the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. As you've told us today, focus on legacy Focus yeah. on adding value to others, creating opportunity and access. When you're doing something connected to your why, mm -hmm. you will be amazed at the creative and innovative things that begin to show up on your path for you to pick up yes. and move forward with. Yes. Wow. That's good. <laughs> so when so in, in closing we have well we've got two minutes left. <laughs> I want to make sure that the people who may have missed yes how to find so you have talked about your books you have talked about your publishing mm -hmm. uh, consulting you have um, talked about wanting um, access to be on other platforms mm -hmm. and if somebody's listening and they're like oh. I want that book. Yes. Tell them how to get it too. How how do they follow you? How do they yes. let remind them? Yes. So go to www.stemistheway.com. You're gonna be able to find me through all of that. Of course, my name is Tiffany with an I, Teachy. <laughs> so you can definitely find me that way. But www.stemistheway.com. You get free resources, and then you'll get access to twelve to ten STEM scholarships and organizations ebook, as well as publishing consultant. If you want to publish children's book, come connect with me. And so I'm excited to build upon it and get some more children's books out there. <laughs> yes. So there you have it. STEMistheway.com. And that's Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-I, Tichi, T-E-A-C-H-E-Y. So absolutely connect. We have launched our um leveling, elevating excellence and building a legacy series with Tiffany Tichi. And she's inspired us to be a voice and access to others, to be that mentor, to be that encourager. And we've offered you multiple resources to begin to do really meaningful studies and work um, as we begin Black History Month. So the conversation's only gotten started. I do hope that you stay with us for the entire series because next week we have um, Andrea Lawful Sanders and her episode is when your hell no becomes a solid yes. So if you've been wanting to figure out how you can find your voice and stand in your strength, that's the episode you don't want to miss. So same time, same place right here on the flip side. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. 
Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.